welcome to Cracking One Open. I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. And this is a show where we're going to crack open a drink. We're going to talk about that drink. We're going <laughs> to drink, drink that drink. We're going to drink that drink. And then we're going to talk about that drink. And maybe I'll describe the drink's container. So come chill with us. Yeah. Won't you? It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> Won't you be crack it open. my neighbor? Find it. I wonder how many people who listen to the podcast actually find the thing and open it up. Probably the people that are the brewery that when we talk about the beer, I'm sure they're drinking at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then they're kind of being mad about our description of the beer, even when <laughs> we like it. And we're Amateurs. Like, this is not, oh my God. <laughs> really? That's the flavor you're getting? That's the flavor you're getting? You know, I'm just not going to make this beer anymore. This, this, this is what people are going to think of this beer. I mean, beer. I hope that's not, not what happens, <laughs> but like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened for the first few episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, even the first few i'm sure we still probably people who make the beer when the brewers are listening hear a description they probably have an eye roll and go <laughs> like the marketing department's like hey we got posted on instagram someone did a podcast episode oh great that's what i need yeah <laughs> no lime you got the taste of lime uh-uh uh-uh it's not just a lime it's a key lime from a very specific place you're not getting the lime in the right place the back <laughs> of your palate back of your palate it's in the front of your palate learn well, if there were more beer courses like the one that we took last week. We maybe did take we, a beer course yeah. last week on off flavors. It was really cool. Very interesting. It was offered by, uh, well, it was free. Well, Hosted it wasn't free. at New England Brewing Company mm-hmm. um, and run taught, I guess, taught, by yep. Max Finance, who is a master Cicerone in the state of Connecticut. He works with a bunch of breweries, mostly Six Point. He works for um, the conglomerate that runs Six Point and Victory and an Apple Cidery that I forgot the name yeah, of already, yeah. but I've heard of. But Six Point and Victory um, put out some amazing beers. Yeah. Victory uh, um, was like one of the earliest craft yeah. beers that you liked. Oh, and Southern Tier. Six Point Victory and yes. Southern Tier. That's it. Yeah, Victory. I love Victory. I've had Victory for a long time because they used to serve uh, sell them at Whole Foods. They, they still do. I don't know why I said used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've always put out really great stuff. We had it at the theater as well when my theater bar sold it for a while mm-hmm. they sold hop devil and then i've had golden monkey and yep. something else monkey from victory six point sour monkey sour monkey yep six point i've talked about a lot on the show mm-hmm. uh six point you were had, like obsessed with their goza for they a had little a bit goza that was really really good and i think since then i've had better gozas but it was a pretty solid goza. it was a solid goza i think if i came back to it i'd like it again like i used to mm-hmm because I'm I'm still searching for a nice salty goza again. And I feel like gozas have really kind of disappeared. And now you just get sours, but they're not necessarily gozas the mm-hmm. way they used to be. And I'll never get my, I'll, I'll never get my uh, geyser goza again. But the uh, six point goza was really good. And they've, their IPA is good. They're, yeah. Everything they do is good. Six point. I like six point a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they put off. A tasting and it was off flavors. So we yeah. tasted bad Bud Light because uh, Bud Light's the most, you know, unobtrusive beer. Yeah. So it made it easy to kind of taste the off flavors. And we felt really, uh, I felt really out of place after he asked who was a brewer and like 90% of the people yeah. raised their hand. And then the other 10% raised their hand who home brews. Who home brews. And was just here for fun. And, and we were like, uh, us. <laughs> yeah, I guess us. Like we're the I mean, only we ones. have home brewed. We just don't do it regularly anymore. Right. We don't have a place to. I mean, we do have a place to put it now that we're building that bar. True. But yeah. And he was like, who's here for work? I, I almost raised my hand for that because I was like, when well, we podcast it about work, it's kind of work. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. So we were the only two schmoes there. No, there was there, a, there were fun. at least two other hands in the back that oh, were there for, for, fun. for fun. Yeah, because okay. I looked around. I was like, <laughs> uh. so we learned about skunked beer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned about 
DMS. Yep. Um, um, diacetyl something. Yeah. yeah. There were a bunch of different chemicals that can pop up if you brew improperly. Um, the possibility of infection through the line itself and what that tastes like. Mm hmm. A lot of interesting points, things that we can take away and apply. But like he and he said specifically, like the more you do a course like this, the more attuned to it you will be. Right. So you have to keep doing it. You can't just go, oh, I took one course. I'm good forever. Yeah. Like we took the course and it'll help us maybe, but it's not really going to help us. It was it was nice course, but, you know, over it would take a lot more time. Yeah. But we do the print. I would out love of the to do more to like. Mm hmm know what those things are i could there are definitely a few things where it's like such common issues with beer mm -hmm. like the dms stuff was making it taste kind of slick yeah um that i guess if you don't boil your wheat properly or your grain mm -hmm. if you don't do the boil um enough you're gonna get that kind of slickness to the beer yeah. which isn't necessarily a bad thing and you can choose to make it like that mm -hmm. Um, in certain like British beers and stuff, but in other beers, it's kind of off-putting and not what you want. Yeah. And if you have too much of it, uh, especially with homebrews, I guess that's a common mistake when they're doing like tastings and stuff for homebrew contests. And yeah. And the one thing I was disappointed that it didn't cover was that kind of like rubbery, plasticky note that both of us get from certain beers. I thought he covered that with one of them tasted like Band-Aids. I I would never associate I mean I guess maybe it could be but I would never associate that particular taste like I can as I'm saying it I can taste it in my mouth like the one thing I hate about certain IPAs and it's a very it's like few and far between but like when I get that taste it's like repulsive I don't know about I'm not really as repulsive but I know you kind of pick up on it a little closer than I do but, but I, wouldn't I, so, I wouldn't say it's band-aid I figured it was that Maybe it's not Band-Aid to you, but I figured that's the closest one. That could be yeah. that same chemical or, or issue when you're brewing the beer. That's fair. But I'd, when they mentioned that like Band-Aid off flavor, I didn't get the taste that I get that I'm talking about. Interesting. Yeah. Well, hopefully you don't get it in today's beer. Hopefully not. Well, uh, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're cracking open the Dark Fruit Citrus Goza. Yeah, Goza! <laughs> From Collective Arts Brewing. Oh, uh, this is why you were so concerned about whether or not I was, whether I peaked you, it yep, yep. when I got beer in the fridge the other day. Because okay. I was so excited that I found this because <laughs> I was like, all right, it's a brewery we like and it's a style that we both like, yeah. especially you. Um, so Collective Arts is located in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. There wasn't obviously too much on the about the brewery itself on their website, as I've mentioned before. But according to Wikipedia, Collective Arts was founded by Matt Johnson and Bob Russell. It's a grassroots craft brewery with the goal of combining the craft of brewing with the inspired talent of emerging and seasoned artists, musicians, photographers, and filmmakers. Head brewmaster Ryan Morrow leads the way in producing their core lineup as well as other rotational brews. They also produce what they call a collective project, which includes seasonal beers as well as cider. The brewery's audiovisual logger publicizes independent musicians with special limited edition band theme cans, rotating every few months to promote a new selection of four different artists. Uh, so this next part is also from Wikipedia, but this particular information is also from 2017. Um, so I am definitely assuming that they still run this program and that the numbers are even higher, which makes it that much more impressive. 
So Collective Arts Brewing invites artists and musicians to submit their work in bi-yearly calls for art. Since the first art and music call in May 2013, over 16,000 submissions have been received from artists and musicians representing over 40 different countries. Art and music is chosen by guest curators, and each artist is paid to appear on the labels. Collective Art does not own the art, but is allowed to use it on the cans and bottles for a limited period of time. To date, Collective Arts Brewing has produced and compensated over 650 artists and musicians for appearing on limited edition cans and bottle labels. So again, the stats are outdated, but looking through their website, I definitely get the impression that this is an ongoing current program because they do give art credits for every beer on their website. And if this was in 2017, I can't even can't even imagine how much those numbers have increased. Mm-hmm. Also, Collective Arts has ventured into making sparkling hard lemonade, sparkling hard tea, sparkling botanical waters, aromatic bitters, and gin. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. Very ambitious. So Collective Arts is available across Canada in Northeast states, including Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, uh, as well as Michigan and Illinois. And they ship to Italy, Spain and Melbourne, 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 Australia, Australia. Uh, So very interesting, like spread of distribution there. Indeed. Good for those hosers, eh? Eh? (laughs) (laughs) So Collective Arts describes dark fruit citrus goza like this, quote, this dark and tart goza uses our award-winning Prophets and Nomads brew as the base. The pour is a cloudy shade of midnight. This beer is refreshing with berries that add a surprising punch of sour on your first sip with low hop bitterness. Coriander and Himalayan salt adds spice and just a touch of sharpness to the beer to finish. It clocks in at 4.9% ABV. And as they mentioned, they actually use one of their other gozas as a base for this beer. So Profits and Nomads is an unfiltered wheat beer with malted wheat. This creates a unique cloudy yellow color and provides a refreshing crispness and tang. Profits and Nomads has a low hop bitterness and features coriander and Himalayan salt, adding hints of complementary dryness, spice, and a touch of sharpness to the beer. So I, I have to admit I'm a little confused because they say this is a wheat beer, but it's also under the Goza category on their website. Like, are they not mutually exclusive i don't know well it is kind of confusing too because it's like a wheat beer mm-hmm. and say goes and i always thought their prophets and nomad i didn't think that was a goes to begin with oh so, have you had it i thought you brought it up one time or maybe i've had it it sounded really familiar hmm. which i was like so you made one of your regular beers that goes which was interesting yeah but is a goes really supposed to be is is a goes just a beer with salt in it then i don't know like what's the actual definition of a goes or is it like could it goes ahead like a wide variety of definitions, but its main definition is, is got salt. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's pretty up for interpretation, just judging by the variety of gozas that we've had. I am going to Google goza and see what the first main definition is with an accent over the E. A warm fermented beer that originated in Gossler, Germany. It is usually brewed with at least 50% of the grain bill being malted wheat. So there oh, you go, wheat beer. Okay. Dominant flavors in goes can 
include a lemon sourness, an herbal characteristic, and strong saltiness. All right. So it's so just got to be a salty. We actually, it doesn't even need to be salty, I guess. It's just dominant flavor. It needs 50% of the grain bill being malted wheat, I guess. Interesting. Uh, it's... That's very loose. They do not typically have prominent hop bitterness, flavors, or aroma, but that's it typically. Mm-hmm. Four to five percent ABV. I mean, in our experience, yeah, they they typically have low hop bitterness. Hmm. Right. So anyway, Prophets and Nomads clocks in at four point five percent ABV. It uses two row Pilsner and wheat malts and Czech Saz hops. So I know we've mentioned Saz a lot because. A, it's a noble hop, and B, it is a parent of Motueka. But we haven't talked about Saz a lot specifically as part of a beer that we're featuring. I think I found like one beer from past episodes that actually used Saz and wasn't just like a reference. Really? Yeah. So Saz was officially registered in 1952, but it dates back as a staple variety of hop for more than a thousand years. Saz is one of the four original noble hops and has a distinctive and classic aroma. It's well known for its prominent use in Stella Artois and countless bohemian lagers and pilsners. It has a warm herbal character thanks to high levels of farnazine, uh, I think that is, uh, while its other oils are more well-balanced. It generally has low alpha acids and adds a delicate bitterness when used as an early addition. However, Saz can be difficult to grow. Its yield is meager and it has weak mildew resistance and very light cones. The original Saz variety has been successfully cloned nine times between 1952 and 1993 in an effort to improve these factors. And this hybridization is necessary to breed resistance to wilt and mildew and make it a more viable crop. But it was a viable crop for thousands of years. Apparently. I guess not to the amount that they need now. Yeah. Yeah, that must be the determining factor there is the demand. Fun fact, goes ferments itself without the addition of yeast. It's been around for over 300 years. And Oh yeah, it's an old one. Uh, old style. I wanted to add to my like characteristics of goes. Mm-hmm. It is sour through the inoculation of lactose- lactobacillus bacteria. Yeah. So it does have that bacteria. So it does have to be still sour, not okay. just salty. Okay. I wanted to correct my assumption before that same brewer that was yelling at us. In mm-hmm. this case, now it's going to be the Collective Arts Brewery starts yelling at us as they listen to this episode. If they listen to this episode, this freaking guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, now we do a I little bit Wikipedia more. Too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's crack this baby open. Yeah. There's a dog in the background howling. I don't know if you can hear it over the microphone, but, but it happened of... as soon as we said yeah. So yeah. that dog is clearly excited for this ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't filter out the open window that contains our air conditioner. (laughs) I don't think the microphone's going to be able to pick it up. Probably not. Anyway. The can's got Fox on it. (laughs) Decent crack. I didn't expect much because Goza's aren't like super carbonated. That can was hard to open. Again, I cut my nails, so I don't know. Oh my God. This is a beautiful beer. Oh my God. This color is awesome. I just got Philips Hue lights, and all I can think of when I see a pretty color is I want to make my lights this color. Oh, my God. So that's what they meant by like a dark midnight. Yeah. Or shades of berry. So I was like, this is if it's, how can you tell a hazy midnight? Because midnight is like black anyway. Mm-hmm. How do you get a 
hazy midnight. You can't see it, but no, this I get is, that. Yeah. But this nice red, dark red color. If I was going to oh do like God. a movie where like a bunch of vampires are drinking a fancy blood drink, this would be the fancy blood drink yep. I would choose for them to be drinking. Literally, I smelled this and like my, I started salivating. Oh yeah. This has got some berries in it. Yep. Yeah. Your salivary glands just go, uh, all right, I'm working right. up. I'm getting right, ready. Right. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Honestly, this might be one of the most beautifully colored beers. Yeah. I think we've ever done on the podcast. Really, really pretty. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm going in. I can't Cheers. wait. Cheers. Mm. That's some berry, baby. That is so tart. Oh my God. <laughs> my cheeks. I know. <laughs> but it's like quick too. It doesn't linger like a like a smoothie one or like something that's got too much fruit juice in it. Mm-hmm. It's a quick like mm, stab a sour. Oh wow. I mean that definitely makes up for the We've had a couple gozas that were like, all right, I guess, I guess that's salty. I guess that's sour. This is definitely. This is like punch you in the tongue. Is the tart not enough to pucker your lips? Well, we got some salt to help out too. Yeah. Yeah. You ever salt a raspberry? (laughs) Put it in your mouth. Now you have. I'm okay with that though. Mm -hmm. Like I dig it. I'm all for this flavor. I think this is really, really good. They delivered. This is exactly what it said it was going to be. Oh my God, this is good. The berry flavor is so rich. Yep. But again, doesn't linger. Like, doesn't overstay its welcome. No, that's very true. But it doesn't have much of a smell. Mm, I don't know. It had enough of a smell, like I said, that it activated my, my glands. Yeah, but now that I drank a little bit, of, it could be that the fan is on in the room and it's kind yeah, of blowing air around. dissipating, yeah. Which we kind of learned yesterday drinking yep. um, a couple of beers that somebody had given to me. The uh, fan blew the smell away. All right, now that I'm a couple sips in, it's not as like punch you in the face. Because <laughs> your body's used to it, but your mouth is used to it, but it's still pretty. It's tart. It's tart. It's not the most sour beer I've ever had. Yeah, it's not really a sour, it's a goza, so it's not supposed yeah. to be the sourest. But it is salty, which is nice because mm-hmm. I think you and I have had gozas lately. The last couple of gozas I've had, which granted it's fewer and far between because most people are just doing straight up sours. Mm-hmm. Like they call them gozas and there is a salt component, but it's not as salty as maybe I want. Yeah. Because I want that geyser goza like give me kelp it and has seawater. set a standard like, for you. Just make me taste the ocean in this beer. Like, I know it sounds gross, but that's what I want. <laughs> it's what initially turned you off to Geyser Goza, and then a couple days later, what made it your favorite beer ever. Uh, the, ho- the holy grail of Gozas. That's what a mermaid tastes all the time. Jealous? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they just open their mouth, boom, Goza. And probably fish pee, but you know. (laughs) Let's not think about that. It's really, really good. It's really salty. You know, we talked about the six point beer. That was really salty. There goes is pretty salty. But Mm -hmm. yeah, the last couple goes is I had, I was just like, it's sour, I guess. It's salty, I guess. But But it it could be more. This is berry aside. You've had berry beers before. Like you've, you've had fruited sours. It's the salt that separates this from other fruited sours for mm-hmm. sure yes it adds another layer of complexity you know we have um Thimble island uses coriander in a couple of their sour series mm-hmm. 
and it really sets it apart. Like it's really good. It's a different kind of salty. And this, and we had something else that had coriander recently as well. Just can't remember exactly what. Yeah. This again uses the coriander and really, it, you're right. It's a different kind of salty. Like this uses Himalayan sea salt, which is the saltiness. It kind of like punches the, it up. The coriander does, I think, come through a little bit as well. Because it's not just a berry beer that's salty. There's something else there, and that might be the coriander. Because mm-hmm. it's a noble hop, so I'm not going to tell you I get the hop. Yeah. It's a wheat beer, so the hop's not really important. It's there to make it a beer. But it's not really there in terms of this beer to give you anything. Yeah. It's there to give you beer, but not really give you a flavor. I think the first time I recall having coriander in a beer was Lil Tug. Also from Thimble Island. Or does Little Tug use coriander? I th- and I think that's what really set it apart from the other like sessions that were out at the time. And Little Tug doesn't exist right now. I know. They haven't brought it back and I miss it so much. <laughs> the last time we had it was uh, at Joanne's wedding. Like when we when we brought wow, it up to the pregame. Ago, yeah. yeah. But they use, uh, Rita uses coriander as well. Mm-hmm. Which is another beer where I was a little unsure of it the first time we had it. And the more I had it, the more I liked it. It grows on you. But like, I think now after Rita, Rita's really the first one where you could really taste the coriander. That mm-hmm. was the Margarita. dominant yeah. flavor in that. And I feel like with this, I can tell there's coriander. It's not so much of a flavor like a bear, like how berry is, but it's a little bit more than a feeling that regular salt is, if that makes sense. Yeah. More than a feeling, <laughs> less than a flavor. It's like a peppery salt almost. It's like a peppery. Yes. And I think that's what we. Salty sensation. I think that's what we got the first time that we had Rita. And we were I think so. Yeah. yeah. And I'm getting that in this beer as well. Like it's salty. Sure. But there's a pepperiness to it within the berry. And and I think that makes this beer exceptionally palatable. Mm -hmm. But I think also fun. And I think. That's what I'm looking for. I don't know. <laughs> I wish Expansive I could Expansive in its demographics. I, I uh, like relatable, but like for, for food, like a lot of people can enjoy it. Oh Accessible? Yes. Kind of. I'll use it. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> it, but I'll use the accessible. It's accessible. It's really, uh, if you don't like beer, you'd still probably find this very interesting and mm-hmm. you'd probably still drink the whole thing. And enjoy it. Because it's like a sour, salty juice. Yeah, it's so good. And it's great for the summertime. Because mm-hmm. um, it's also not so but sour. But you also got to be careful out. when you're drinking Gozes in the summertime because they will dry you the fuck out. Oh, they got salt. Yeah. They're going to dehydrate you like even beer does. But mm-hmm. even Especially more, if you're faster. drinking it outside in the sun. Yep. Make sure you have some water Stay in between. Stay hydrated, people. Uh, but if you're doing that in the sun, you should be doing a beer, then a water, then a mm-hmm. beer, then a water. Easier said than done. We'll be going to... <laughs> When this episode comes out, we'll be going to Road Jam at Two Roads that day. Yeah. And we'll also be there that Saturday for the uh, second day of the shows. It's a concert series they do. And I'm sure I'll be having maybe not a water in between each one because I'm not, I don't think they have any gozes I'm going to want, but definitely going to be drinking some waters in between just because oh, yeah. we'll be out in the sun. Yeah. yeah. Staying out in the sun. But yeah, and especially they have so lots of food trucks so we can stay not trashed. True. <laughs> If you're drinking outside, especially sours, it's best to have some water in between. Yeah. It's the same thing like when we go to Area 2 at Two Roads, uh, which does most of the experimental kind of sour stuff. 
Yeah, it's sour, good to have the waters high, every once in a while. High ABV. Do, yeah, when we're hanging out in like the rooftop area. Mm-hmm. But still, like anybody can drink this beer. Yeah. It's just accessible. Your mom would love this. My mother would like it, and she doesn't even like beer a lot, but she likes these kind of weird, sour, experimental kind of things. Not that it's experimental, but these weird, sour, kind of salty ones. My brother would like this. He's mm-hmm. not a big beer guy. Mike Field, my co-host for Forgotten Cinema, would like this, I think. It's just a really nice fruity beverage yeah i was really excited to find this yeah because they also make a guava goza i like guava and uh clearly i like goza but i couldn't find like i i would see it on the shelf and be like oh like it's collective arts i know it's gonna be good but i wasn't able to find enough out about it to do enough whereas this they specified that the base is private and nomad so that's where i was able to build off of plus guava is such a delicate flavor i feel like it would be really interesting but maybe we wouldn't be able to pull enough from it i don't know baby i drink other than just on this podcast i know we could have just had Had it goes i know but collective (laughs) arts As much as I love them, they are a little bit more on the expensive side compared to other four and six packs. So it wasn't well, something I was just picking up on a whim. No, because they're imported. Imported, yeah, yeah. They're they're not just four and six packs. They're foreign. <laughs> well, four packs. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but yeah. It might just be Canada, eh? But it's still a different country, eh? So it's gonna cost a little bit more. Eh. Eh. Those hosers. <laughs> But still, Let's go to the mall. Sorry. Today. That's what this beer's all about. Sorry, Canada. No, I'm, you're not. <laughs> I'm mimicking you with love. Aren't you part Canadian? French Canadian? Only the bad parts. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> so would you like to talk about the can? The can is Fox the Phoenix. Basically. Uh, so it's a also a beautiful color. That's one thing I noticed when I opened the fridge. Mm-hmm. I did notice the well, you had it positioned like in between both the label and Fox. So I, I figured it was some kind of bird. Mm-hmm. But I just saw the color of the can and the can is this midnight blue that like where you're looking is very blue. But where your eyes aren't necessarily focused on gets dark around it. I'd I'd call it indigo personally. It's somewhere in between blue and purple. I'd call it indigo, personally. Roy G. Biv, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a gorgeous color. I really like it as a, on a can. I would also find it very interesting as a beer color, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's it really does grab your attention when you look at Fox the Phoenix, which is like this watercolor painted orange, fire colored orange, red orange, yellow bird dropping out of the sky with its tail feathers which are like peacock feathers and fire combined with hints of like a turquoise coming out of the tail Mm -hmm. as it looks toward what looks to be the sun in the distance also watercolored a small orange no bigger than my thumb and that takes up most of that part of the can that side of the can on the left side of the wraparound label is the collective arts logo in the top left the double c's with a star where the c is open with the collective arts creativity in the circle and it says X Manila Philippines. So I was literally just looking at that. I think that is the artist Margie for this made. can. Yep. Yeah. So that's like the collaboration is collective arts and. Well, her name is Margie 
and I can't pronounce your last name because it's written in cursive. Like her, her, not that I can't read cursive. It's written in her own handwriting. That's her signature. I can't read her last name. Yeah. But you can find her art at, at Margie, M-A-R-J-I-E-M-A-D-E. Margie made. And that like Phoenix is pretty cool. So you might want to look her up. And then in plain font, but very bold, just dark fruit, citrus goes four different lines. It really lets you know what it is. DFCG. <laughs> Motherfucker. Then there's a line that says ale brewed, although I should say goza. Ale brewed with blackberry, blackcurrant, lemon, and coriander. 1.54.9 alcohol by volume. Brewed by Collective Arts Brewing Limited, Hamilton, Ontario. Imported by Collective Arts, Stowe, Vermont. Interesting. Ooh, I wonder if they brew in Vermont. I was going to say they import to themselves, so maybe product of Canada. It makes sense. It's right over the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vermont's kind of like craft beer, one of the craft beer capitals. Yeah, hubs of New England. Yeah. Then the government warning, Puerto Rico do not litter. That's interesting. That's new. Yeah. Uh, so I guess they also sell it in Puerto Rico. I don't see that on any other can. I don't know. Uh, and that's really it. It's got a QR code and a barcode, which I find interesting. The QR code probably either takes you to the website or the artist mm. profile. On the bottom of the guess. can, there's a Best Buy date of February 8th, 2023. Oh, damn. So this can't actually last this a while. It's got a shelf life. Yeah. Maybe it's the salt. Who knows? <laughs> ah, so good. So, so good. Beautiful can. I can see why it kind of popped out at you. Plus, mm-hmm. it's Collective Arts. Yeah. Uh, again, never had anything bad from Collective Arts. Even before this podcast, Collective Arts was always something I would gravitate to in yep. any restaurant I went to. The waitress, if we sat down and the waitress came right to us, we had an ability to look at the craft menu. And you saw and Collective I Arts? I saw Collective Arts. Like that's done. one of the breweries I just go, yes, I'll take whatever that Collective Arts is. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine. Yep. 100% of the time so far. Now, granted, if I go, yes, that Collective Arts, and they bring you back to the Saison. <laughs> that's going to be where my opinion changes. Maybe. Maybe. I will say, as I'm getting toward the bottom of this glass, there is a tiny bit of sediment. Like, very, very fine. Oh, yeah. Well, the pulpy remains of the, the berry skins, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it has. It's unavoidable, I'm sure. But definitely not, like, it It doesn't impact the the mouthfeel of the beer at all. No. The one thing I will also notice is, note is that, uh, if you are succumb to heartburn as I am, oh, the salt mixed with the berry is a is uh, coming for you. Double threat. That burn's coming. In fact, it's already here, Aww. and I'm not even done with my glass yet. Uh, I am, because damn, that was good. I talked too long. This is a phenomenal beer. The color, the flavor, the berryness, the coriander, and the salt. Uh, I will say. I mean, I don't know if I get the lemon. No, but I think it, I think it it's bursts. just there to accent the berries. Maybe, yeah. I can see that. Like how you put lemon in, you put lemon in an apple pie? I know you, you can. Do some, yeah, you can. You can I've, I've seen that. Yeah, you put some lemon juice and peach cobblers as well. Yep. So yeah, you also the fruit. Um, there's a trick if you're like, say you're packing your lunch or your kid's lunch and you're cutting up apples, you use a spritz of lemon to keep the apple from browning. Oh, I think I have heard of that. Yep. Yeah. Adding this to the list of the empty mug club members. Oh yeah. So there you have it, folks. Another member of the empty mug club. <laughs> We've had a lot this year. We have. Much more than previous years. Indeed. 
We picked the wrong year to start this. I know, right? <laughs> it would have been more interesting, like more competitive in previous years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this beer is really, really good. Collective Arts did a great job again. As always. The salt, the coriander, the berry. It's out of this world. I'd have another one if I didn't need like my heartbeat medicine. Yeah. Uh, right now. So <laughs> right now <laughs> it's still worth it. I'll torture myself every time for a nice sour or goza. They're the best. It's fair. Yeah. It's so good. So amazing. And the berry doesn't linger like some other set fruit, like set fruited sours, which is like too much fruit. And it just like lingers yeah. forever. Or it's like artificial tasting or it affects the mouthfeel of the beer itself. Yeah. Just astonishing. Yeah. So I feel like if you put too much berries, you wouldn't be able to taste that coriander. Yeah. It wouldn't come through. The salt and the coriander really sets that apart from just bringing your regular old plain old fruit sour. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So all I right. got. That's all I got. So thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends, and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackandwhenopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackandwhenopen, or shoot us an email at crackandwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions, because we always want to hear from Indeed. Indeedly do. What else you got to talk about, boo? Listen to my podcast, Forgotten Cinema. It's a podcast uh, that I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether because a more popular movie was released at the same time, but the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. What's because we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own Forgotten Gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are all part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, uh, you know what Forgotten Cinema pairs well with? Uh, any of the beers we drink on this podcast. So mm-hmm. after you buy, b- listen hey. to our episode, and then our episode inspired you to buy that beer, crack open that beer, and listen to Forgotten Cinema. Nice cross-promotion. Right? There. I thought so. Let's think of that. Uh, I've also got uh, a bunch of other projects coming up, so just you know, pay attention to that. Watch this space, I guess. And uh, my audiobooks on Audible, Michael Butler, Switch Art, Fortin Gangsters, Sour, Coffee at Midnight, Final Girl. Uh, there's a bunch of Michael Butler, so make sure you listen to the sample soundbite and you'll find out if it's me or not. Unless I'm doing one of my accents. <laughs> but yeah, I don't make money in those books unless you buy them most of the time. So please get me some cash And that's all I got. All right. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th.